Hey, I hope you're well. Welcome to this episode of the Super Self Podcast. It's Tommy G here. And in this episode, I recorded earlier in the week an interview with Dave Cottrell. Dave is a PT and a mindset coach who specifically helps people with their development of physical and mental health. Now, Dave first reached out to me because he identified, he saw a couple of my posts online, I think, and he identified some similarities in our core beliefs and values and how we help people to develop physically and mentally. And so he reached out a while ago, um, but we made it happen. I've been very excited about this podcast. Dave is a lovely guy and does so much good for people who are out there looking to improve their, their mental health specifically guys, but this transfers across men and women. I'm excited to be serving you up this episode today. I uh, sincerely hope you enjoy it and it brings you value. As always, anything I can do to help you, any questions that you've got, email me, tommy at tommygentleman.com with the subject line podcast, or alternatively, hit me up on social media at tommygentleman. I hope you enjoy this episode. So here it goes. So, uh, Dave, one question that I've been waiting to ask you, mate, since since we connected, which was about, I think, probably about five or six months ago now. I've been really looking forward, by the way, to having this chat with you, mate. So uh, excited to, to be doing this. Um, Likewise. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, one question that, that's been on my mind is, uh, like, this is your world. You you are helping people very vocally. I mean, your whole like brand is Mindset by Dave. It's like... You are really hands-on with this area of life, um, specifically with with uh, men. So I thought one question that I thought I'd ask you now is, like, how how does the day-to-day challenge of mental health look for you now? Because you've been very vocal about your story and the journey that you've been on. Which maybe we maybe we should go there now, actually, and, and explain for the benefit of my listeners, definitely um, a little bit more about you and your background with that. But how does it also show up now, today? Some of today's challenges. So I've thrown that at you, mate. <laughs> you can kind of yeah. do your thing and, and, and fill in the gaps because I'm really interested to know that. Okay, excellent. Well, um, for the backstory, um, my listeners are probably sick to death of hearing it, but I guess yours won't have heard it before. Um, I was diagnosed with type 2 bipolar disorder when I was 14. Um, I was horrendously bullied at that time and very much, I think that my symptoms and my mental illness were all kind of the culmination of just far too much stress and far too much kind of horribleness going on in many different areas of my life. Um, my mum was just starting a business and wasn't there. My dad was never really there whatsoever. I didn't really have anyone to turn to. And the whole idea back then, even when I did see my dad, because I was being bullied in school, he was like, well, I'm, I'm a tall guy, you know, I'm six foot two. And I was quite, I was pretty much six foot by the time I was 13. And he just turned around and go, oh, well, you know, can you not look after yourself? Can you not defend yourself and all the rest of it? And it's like, no, dad, I can't. That's why I'm coming to you. But I didn't say that. I just stood there and kind of cried at the time, I think. And, um, yeah, I didn't really look at my, cause I developed sort of non-purge bulimia off the back end of that. Um, I then got bullied extra for being fat, not just for being kind of putting my hand up in class and stuff. And from there, I kind of just, I didn't start looking after my health until I was sort of 24, 25. And 
I only started looking after the physical health then. I got up to 23 stone six at my heaviest and I ended up going on a sort of physical journey of losing and what ended up being over nine stone. I lost the majority of that through some really stupid ways. And um, ultimately that was what led me into learning to become a personal trainer. And my mental health was sort of always up and down with that. I mean, type 2 bipolar disorder, it's kind of fits the bill really, I suppose. It's bound to be up and down, but I had a very traumatic time um, when I broke up with the, the mother of my children, my first wife, and I just decided to, I guess, throw my life in the toilet with the wrong person and... I thought during that year, I mean, I've been talking about this in schools today because we're talking about self-harm and suicide and things. And actually, when I was my most suicidal, I did this thing and I did the whole, the worst cry for help you can do and just put a message out on Facebook that said, I need a hug. And uh, no hug came, you know, two hours, three hours, four hours. And that was enough for me to kind of assume that nobody in the world cared, like that I had nothing worth living for. And from, but from there, out of that sort of dark period, I was watching this film called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. And the guy's got locked in syndrome and he can't interact with his children. And that was one of my things. My children were the only the things really keeping me going. And there's this line that said, even a shadow, even a sliver of a dad is still a dad. And it really hit me. Like it proper hit me. And I thought, you know what? Shit, I need to. I need to get my life in order. I need to do something because, right, I'm sat here and I'm depressed. I'm depressed because my kids deserve a better dad. And instead of killing myself and letting them find a better dad, how about I just give that to them from me? And um, that was the real turning point for me in looking after my own mental health. And I broke up with the the, uh, the partner that I was with at the time who was not being particularly useful for me. I don't think I was being particularly useful for her really either, but... And then I started this journey and um, through becoming a coach, through becoming a PT, I found that by looking at other people's mental health, that made mine the most stable it's ever been until last year. And then last year, it all came crashing down again. And um, I'd actually got really, really busy with work. Um, It was April. I had a waiting list for clients. It was brilliant. It looked like everything was going amazing. But I... um, I basically, I'm an obliger, I look after other people before I look after myself. And when that waiting list crept up, my self-care went out the window. And that, you know, you can get away with that for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. But I'd been doing that for a while. And I quit my, I was doing a degree in nutrition. I quit that to pursue the mindset side of things. And like, I had the worst, rockiest start to that mindset thing because I suddenly, my own mindset was just in the toilet. And... um, so I was lying there on the couch and I was crying and I was I was in an absolute state, feeling like a failure, feeling like someone like feeling like I'm just too lazy to do my job. You know, it all got good and then you cocked it up and then your mental health went bad. And when your mental health went bad, you lost some clients. And when you lost some clients, your mental health got worse. And when the mental health, you know, the whole cycle really. And I was lying there thinking five, six years, or something, it was six or seven years since I've back I've been in such a dark place. And um, I'm like, oh God, you've spent all this time building up these relationships, talking about your mental health openly and what? No one's coming to save you. There's still nobody there. There's still no white knight riding in on the horizon to kind of come and protect you from all of this. But I'd shut myself off from everybody. So even if the white knight was coming, I wasn't opening the door. And um, that suddenly changed in my head to from no one's coming to save me in a depressed tone of voice to hang on a minute. No one's coming to save me maybe, maybe I'm not the only person that feels like this. Maybe our mental health care that's out there is far too reactive and not proactive enough. 
And off the back of that, I launched Matter Over Mind, which is a two-hour um, workshop every week, an hour of personal training and an hour of, um, of mindset care for people who are signed off work with mental illness and um, we run it we run it every monday at lunchtime and it's been running for a year and a bit now and that gave me a bit of purpose back and then at the start of this year i, I started running something called a life a day um, which was the aim was to help 365 people through random acts of kindness throughout the course of the year and i did it within i did it i finished i, I did the 365 two weeks ago so the middle of november um and that was so weird at that point saying no to people. But the thing was, and um, this is what had to happen, is I said before that my mental health was terrible because, my, well, got bad because my self-care went out the window. I The workload I have today and the clients I'm working with and all the stuff I'm doing now, that I couldn't have handled that as the person I was 12 months ago. And in order to do that, that work rate has gone up and that's what we, a lot of us want as, as entrepreneurs we want our work rate to go up we want our impact to go up but if the recovery is not there think of it like an athlete if their if their work rate goes up in the gym but their recovery is not there there's only so much that you can recover from and i had to really dig in this year and take care of my own my own self-care take care of my recovery you know adding in things like yoga adding in the odd sports massage here and there adding in some coloring and some meditation some mindfulness and that coming first that being the thing that you know doesn't go out the window doesn't get kicked out of the diary doesn't like you know because ultimately i could give away 100% of my time to people in terms of quality sorry in terms of quantity but they weren't getting the quality anymore and then once I got took to, started taking care of the self-care, sure, I dialed back 10, 20% of the time that I could give to people, but the quality was there. They were getting 90% no, Dave as opposed to 20% Dave. And um, it's been a learning journey and it's been, a, you know, it's been a bit of a process. And the weirdest point of it, I guess, would always be the day of life a day ended. The day I had to suddenly start saying no to new people on it. That was an odd day. It was kind of a triumph and, a, and something else at the exact same time. <laughs> um, so it's been, yeah, it's my recent mental health, not something I talk about often, really, because um, I, I guess I'm still figuring it that bit out. I've not got the same level of distance. But that's where it is right now. Well, I appreciate you going there um, with that. And there's so much that I've written down uh, while you've been talking there. One of the things that I think that is a good time to bring this up is that um, I, I think I think you're an extremely lovely person. Um, <clears throat> and th those <laughs> those words they sound they do sound funny, don't they? Um, but you, well, my wife calls me Mister Lovely, so you mate, know. <laughs> that's I mean, it's not a coincidence because the word that. I get when I think about you and have even before talking to you which by the way this is the most we've ever talked like we've only had a couple of little chats um, via like uh, Instagram direct message we had a phone call a few months ago but this yeah. is the most we've ever talked to each other and I, I like ro I like rolling like that by the way because when I get a good feeling about someone um, I get excited about what's going to happen when we record the conversation um, and the word that comes to my head when I think of you is you are a lovely person like you that I mean that, that word itself lovely I think you give love to people and you do that in such a, a culturally relevant way, which is what I really admire about what you do. And I think like having just spoken about some of the recent uh, mental health challenges and mindset challenges that you've been having, it comes with great relief for me because it's something that um, 
the uh, you know the, the strain of the challenge for mental health, which is as as you very well know, as like as literal as physical health for every single human being. Everyone has a mental health spectrum. Everyone has. Uh, challenges that they're stressed and stretched with that affect them mentally, physically and emotionally and spiritually Um, you, having been through everything that you've been through and hit those challenges head on you've created such a great depth that that depth now needs like consistent like oiling and management and (laughs) and that's actually that's a beautiful thing because it means that you are totally doing the right thing helping people in this way because you can because you are the person who's been through that and has that depth you can give people things on the surface level as i've seen you do you know i've, I've been watching and studying your your way of doing things i like to do that by the way anyone that i speak to in this way and you give people on the surface exactly the right amount exactly the right amount now if you're listening well you are listening to this if you're listening to this right now um you have to admire and never take for granted how hard that is because i know dave that you will want to be giving people even more even more (laughs) complexity even more like in terms of what you could do but finding that sweet spot of delivering the content on a surface level and then allowing the door to open that's an art my friend and i admire you so much for that thank you it's very much appreciated (laughs) So let's talk about, um, I mean, you mentioned a minute ago a few you know, points around relationships and, and, and you know, ex-relationships and stuff like that. Let's talk about expectation um, in terms of being a manly man, you know, being, being, the, being the man, being the, the provider and the hunter-gatherer and all the kind of stereotypes that we associate with, you know, being a man. Um, what's the expectation these days in the world that we live in for men when it comes to a relationship? What do you think? Oof, that's a, a beefy question, isn't it? Um, so Let's go I there. think it's the question's more like what isn't the expectation of a man these days? So it's like it's funny because we've got the old way of thinking about men, which is that they've got to be tough, they've got to keep a stiff upper lip, they don't cry, they've got to be the provider and all of this. And now we've we're kind of as the gender roles are becoming a little bit more sort of fluid, um, a little bit like less rigid. Uh, at times and we've kind of got the new expectations it's like okay well it's okay for a man to cry it's okay for him you know it's okay for a man to be the stay-at-home dad or whatever it means and the thing is i've been i think i've played all of these roles um i was the primary the primary provider in my first marriage and i'm actually now in a position where my wife is the primary provider in my second marriage she works a very kind of pretty damn high profile job and brings home a lot more money and her money's consistent you know i'm a coach mine's <laughs> mine's based on the whims of the universe sometimes and um so you know she gets holiday pay which is a wonderful thing and and she wants to use those holidays and i'm like if i use those holidays i don't get paid um, but uh but yeah, it's um, it's interesting because now it's like we're, people are expecting men to be everything, really. And I think it's this. I don't know. It's it's great that it's it's becoming okay to be whatever you are as a man. And I think that's the important thing: is it shouldn't be about expectations, like you know, because if if you've got expectations of someone and they don't live up to those expectations, then it's okay. 
And um, I actually did one of my own episodes on the podcast last night about labels. And it's like, you know, forget labeling yourself as a man or, you know, as straight or whatever it may be. Like these labels, it's like, I want to label myself as a human. I want to label myself as a person because the expectations on that is, well, you can be whoever you want to be. And I think that's the, the, you know, the true definition of feminism out there is that a woman can be whoever she wants to be. If she wants, if she wants to stay at home and have the man provide for her, then that's great. If she wants to be out there and be the girl boss then that's great and i think the same is true i think the same should be true for men that if that person wants to you know wants to be all stern and keep a stiff upper lip and they're actually and they're okay with that how you feel about it is more important than what it is if you want to be stern and keep a stiff upper lip and keep things to yourself but actually truly that makes you feel dreadful about yourself then it's probably not the right approach for you whereas at the same time if you're constantly open up and there's a there's an element of where you can be opening up and vulnerable be it to it beyond a certain point where you don't take a, you don't take responsibility or ownership for any of your problems and you become too much you become too much entrenched in the victim mentality i've definitely been there myself so i know what i'm talking about okay. and um in that state of mind you don't actually grow or thrive so it's it's a case of what is the actual mindset that you're holding doing? Is it serving you well? Um, I'm talking about, I'm talking to a group later on about um, state, about your emotional state. And I ref- I don't refer to states as being positive or negative. I refer to a state as being more or less useful. Okay. And the same is true about a label that you place on yourself. It's whether or not, that, whether or not it's positive or negative is subjective to you. Yeah. But, it's, but whether or not it's useful or not, that's better. If a label is useful to you if the idea of being a man if your idea of being a man makes you feel inferior and like you can't live up to those standards then that's not a particularly useful model of what being a man is yeah and i think being a man can mean anything i mean i'd love to know because i know you work a lot with men i'd love to know what your thoughts are on it i think um the thing that strikes me is the the vehicle of um, offloading important things that need to be spoken about can be so different from man to man. Yes. So um, I've got some clients and actually friends from an observational point of view that will only ever achieve that in a one-to-one situation um, because it's almost as if they need to fully trust and understand the dynamic of the single person that they're interacting with in order to become vulnerable in that moment. Whereas I also know other uh, clients, male clients, who would um, be more freaked out by that because they would feel that sort of direct like weakness perhaps with that one other person in the room. Whereas in a group environment, there might be other people that would be nodding along and relating to their um, vulnerability. Um, and I think like for any man that's listening to this at the moment, I guess asking the question of like, what is your way of getting vulnerable is a, is a good question to ask because it's important. Um, and for any woman that's listening to this, like for the men in your life, brother, friend, uh, husband, partner, dad, like, what do you think, what do you think theirs is and how could you help that? Because like, like how, how important do you think it is Dave for, uh, for, for us guys, for us dudes, mainly men to, to get vulnerable? Oh, completely. I think I 100% believe that there's strength in vulnerability. I know that the idea of being vulnerable is that we open up and someone won't respond in the way that we want them to. And you know what? That actually does happen. It's not like that's not one of those unreasonable fears because you do get it. And that's one message I would definitely give to both men and women. It's like if someone opens up to you, 
be a decent ear for them. And I wrote about this this morning, was that we don't have to actually always have the right thing to say. You know, you don't have to be a coach like, like either of us. You don't have to be like someone who's out ready to be out there and be an advocate for looking after your mental health like either we are. Yeah. But... You, if you just provide a set of ears to let that person have some space to talk without any judgment whatsoever, then you've done a good job. It's actually almost like it's easier to do that than it is to pass judgment because you actually have to do less things. Yeah. So creating a space where someone can open up will make, definitely make it more likely. And one of the things I particularly like to do is I like to talk about um, I like to talk about mental health as if the stigma's already gone. So I go, you know, hi, I'm Dave, I'm from Liverpool, and I have type 2 bipolar disorder. It's like, and then it's like, I'm what? You know, come yeah. at me, bro. But not quite, not quite as uh, brash as that, but I'll drop it into conversation sure. as, if, as if it's something I'm not embarrassed about, because quite frankly, I'm not. Yeah. Like, how can I be embarrassed about a mental condition that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to the shop and pick it out and buy it? You know, it, it, it came as part of me at some point. And... Um, and yeah, it's like, I'll talk about those things openly. Now, in my personal experience, I've actually never had someone open, like someone, um, no, I've had plenty of people open up. That was the wrong word. I was, I've never had um, someone respond to me in the negative way, but I have worked with people who have. Okay. And um, the ultimate thing I always say there is like, if you're unsure and it's like the first time and it's almost like, I know the guys at Sanctus refer to it as coming out about your mental health. I'm not sure if like appropriating that term is going to get us in trouble, but um but it's like almost like if you, particularly for the first time you open up, open up to someone that you know and trust. Um, maybe open up in an online community where where that that kind of thing is encouraged. Yeah. Because we you want that positive reinforcement the first time you do it. Because ultimately carrying that thing around with you and saying I've got to hide this thing and no one can ever see it. Yeah. That puts that puts a lot of strain on a man. That puts a lot of strain on anybody. Yeah. And um, it's an extra weight you're carrying around with you. And as soon as you actually talk about it, the fear of what will happen is so much worse than what will happen. Yes. And, and you know, I think that, yeah, it's super important to actually open up. What do you reckon, Dave, the, um, like, telltale signs could be that, uh, that someone, either you listening or someone in your life who, you know, is a man, um, in this particular example, what do you think some of the telltale behaviours would be that, you know, we could look out for maybe to, to be an extra um, pillar of support? Yeah, um, I mean, I think this is. If, if, if you, if you really need to speak to a guy called Sam Tyra at some point from Change Talks. Okay. Um, he goes into schools and does it, um, early intervention on on mental health. There, it's brilliant what he does, and it actually, he really changed my opinion on this because of something that he'd seen. I always used to say, any your friend that's suddenly very quiet, your friend that's um, you know a bit off from where they normally are. But he's talked about the fact that it, a lot of times, in, especially if a man's gone past the point, because men tend to actually either have a problem that they think is so small that it never needs dealing with yeah and that or they're the complete opposite end of the scale and they're suicidal you know through a life a day i worked with seven suicidal males this year and i probably worked with a couple of males that are like oh i don't even need to be on the phone to you really um i feel silly even talking about this and then very few in the middle but um the idea was he said that quite often once someone's decided to actually take their life it's like a weight's lifted from them and then suddenly that friend that is actually always quiet and depressed if that person is suddenly very energetic and suddenly out of character 
than they may actually be vulnerable to. So it's like what you'd traditionally think of as vulnerable being someone who suddenly acts in a more negative way. You know, again, whether it's negative or positive is subjective. Yeah. But it's like if a person's acting not like themselves. And um, I think there was a beer mark campaign from time to talk which said, you know, ask a friend twice. You know, so if you'd say, ask them if they're all right, and then they say whatever they say, just go, but are you really all right? Yeah, I mean, that's actually a really powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my clients, like she does it to me quite regularly, actually. Um, and she, as a result, she's one of the clients that got, she ended up like with a much closer idea of my own mental health than most of my clients get in six months. She ended up with it in about six weeks okay. because she'd always do that. And especially if I said, I'm fine. I mean, fine. <laughs> I'm fine. It's like, um, anytime I said, I'm fine, it's like, oh, you're fine. What's up? And that's fine's now become a code word between me and her that it's not fine. So she'd always say, are you sure? And that'd be enough because it's weird. We answer, we actually, we get really good at us and answering the, how are you question yeah. because it's well rehearsed. Yeah. But how, how are you really? The more specific you get with a question, you get a very different answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it catches people's, um, like it, it goes into the second part of the brain, like the, the bit that isn't the, the bit that's programmed to just palm things off. Um, mm. but the bit that's actually there to really consider an answer. Um, and that's why I think sometimes it can bring out such a telling piece of information, whether it's body language, whether it's words, whether it's facial expression. Um, it's a, a great piece of advice for anyone listening to like take that on board and ask somebody yeah. twice. That's really cool. Dave, I wanted to ask one thing there that um, came to my mind. Um, personally, I, I think that as coaches... I love how you were saying there a client of yours had a, an understanding of your particular um, like status if you like or current position in your uh, mental health at that moment in time and it developing over a course of weeks I think there's a lot of coaches a lot of trainers out there who would rather stay a million miles away from showing any kind of vulnerability towards the subjects they teach yeah right um, and that becoming a massive, massive problem for not only our careers, but also for our quality of service. What do you reckon on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's um, there's two different beliefs at play there. One belief is if I should, and this isn't just coaches, this is people who are in positions of authority. You know, it's like teachers, policemen, um, you know, even parents to a degree. Like they don't want to show that weakness because if I show that weakness, I won't have a job or people will not trust me um, or people will feel I'm not the right person to help them. And that belief then says it's the same as this, this these guys that I say they go from these insignificant problems to being suicidal because they bottle it up and they don't actually deal with it. They don't deal with the beast while it's small. And it's um, they just hold on to it because I can't show the world this because, you know, going back to our previous point, they won't think I'm a real man once they see that I've got this problem. You know, if, I, if, a, if a man's in debt, he's very likely to actually hold it back because he's supposed to be a provider. And they don't. And this the thing is, those beliefs, they cause us to de- deal with things in a way where it's like, well... I'm feeling terrible. I'm just going to push this over there. I'm just going to put that over there and I'm not going to say anything to anyone. And I'm going to put on the mask. I'm going to put on the smiley faced outfit. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to have this, you know, pretend to be this person when I'm dying inside. And um, I personally can't do that. And I'm, but I, I've, I think I've crafted the belief for myself that my clients love me for who I am because I'm 100% honest with them at every stage of the journey. And 
as a result, if a person doesn't want to be with me because they want someone that's more stable, then that's fine. There are plenty of people out there that are more stable than me. And if you feel you'll be better served by someone who's more stable than I am, then great. But here's the thing. Sometimes when you're going through hell, you need someone who's been through it. Or sometimes you need someone who's going through it to go through it with you. You don't need someone in heaven shouting, come on, grab the ladder, get up here. And that's, again, there is an order. It's a, it's the whole, um, not feast or famine, what is it? Scarcity or abundance mindset. You know, the scarcity of, if I tell this and three of my clients leave me because they think I'm not the right man for the job, where am I going to get those three extra clients from? And it's like, I'm, I'm very much of the, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe kind of person. It's like, if I tell these people this and they don't want to work with me, well, they're not the right tribe for me. They're not the right client for me. And going forward, we'd have had problems because ultimately if I don't deal with that now, now, in six months time, I could be, you know, like, you know, using drugs again to deal with my pain or using alcohol or even I could, you know, 12 months time, if I'm not dealing with it, I could find myself suicidal again. And that is the last place I want to be. So I would rather lose those three clients now, figure out the people that are actually right to be spending time with me and deal with it now. And I think this needs to be encouraged within workplaces. You know, if a teacher comes out as having poor mental health, they need support and they need encouragement and they need, you know, taking back into the fold. Same with a policeman. It's the idea of pushing it aside because, oh, well, you can't like, you can't like, you know, a doctor, for example, how we probably say to doctors, I'm not sure what the official protocol is, but I imagine if a doctor said, well, I'm really struggling with stress right now, or I'm feeling very anxious right now, they'd be like, well, you can't see patients at this moment. It's like, well, and that person's fearful of that. It's like, we need to, that's definitely a place in the workforce and with coaches and with our persona we want to they want to put out there so badly that they've got it all together because then the people will come and listen to me and it's like well maybe but maybe that makes you unrelatable to people as well at the same time so yeah do what you need to just do what's right yeah i think that's key too and i, I agree with everything uh, that you said especially that last point um I've found from my experience that I can go to some strange places um, when I'm going through something myself, when I'm trying to figure something out um, within myself. And because of one, on one hand, I've got this uh, philosophy to share and this philosophy to be transparent. Um, on the other hand, you know, I have got to adhere to my reputation, my brand. And so in a professional position, I have now learned to... Um, to document the toughness, the challenges, the struggle without posting it in the present time that I'm going through it. So yeah. one strategy that's worked well for me is that I, I keep them on a hard drive. Um, and then once I've figured out the lesson, once I've figured out the thing that I think would be helpful um, as a result of the thing itself, that's when I then piece it together and go, look, um, here's the thing that I can say today and here's how I can say it because watch this video where I am <laughs> I am struggling with it you can tell by my eyes you can tell by this you can tell by that here's the video um, yeah. so, you know that that's worked quite well for me so I guess if if anybody out there is if it's some sort of presented with a similar conflict um, that's one way that you can stay true to your values because it is a value thing I do want to yeah, share and I, I don't want to come across and I don't want to ever go absent on social media and people to be like, hang on, where did you go for like two months? Um, funny enough, the episode before this on, on the podcast, um, I, I opened by saying, look, I've not been on the podcast for a couple of months, but that's because I had nothing to say. I had nothing to give. I was, uh, I was, in, I was in very much in a place of um, don't talk unless you've got something useful to say. Um, but at the same time, I was keeping a track 
like private record of the things I was going through. Yeah, and that comes back to expectations again, I guess, doesn't it? If you've said to yourself, to someone, to everyone, oh, I'll be having a new episode out every Wednesday, and then Wednesday comes around and you've got nothing to say, it's like, well, do you go on on mic and just talk about nothing and provide, you know, because you've got a because the expectations is Tommy's going to turn up on a Wednesday. Do you actually go out there? And then again, how does that play into your values? Yeah, exactly. And for me, it didn't because um, one of my other values is to make sure that, that I make the most of people's time that they give me. And I think that in that moment, having gained the trust of a listener, um, giving them like content that either wasn't thought through properly or not of a quality that I could serve them with would be abusing that value. So, yeah, I yeah. think... Um, I guess one takeaway that people could take from this conversation in particular is to always consider those values no matter what and find the right solution personally for you. Yeah, I mean, you have to live in in alignment with your values because whenever you're not, you'll just get those creepy little niggling things that are telling you something's wrong and then enough of them add up and you're not in a great place. But I think one thing that I hope both mine and your audiences both know is the fact that actually the fact that you choose to give us an hour of your time to listen to one of these podcasts, it means the absolute world to us. Like We know that attention is a very limited resource and there's so many different ways you could be spending your time. So yeah, like we do take it seriously and I'm the same. Like I've, I've, I think I've got stuff out every Wednesday most of the time because um i've had guests and things and so that's kind of filled in for the dimes that i've not personally had anything to say um thankfully they have all i have to do is point a few questions at them but you know we do really appreciate the time and it's just such an honor to be able to actually speak to people via this medium it is mate that's an interesting point as well because i think at the start of especially the super self podcast i was very much the other way um and I think I took it for granted, if I'm honest. So I feel that more than ever that I'm really grateful for anyone who's willing to give time, invest time in uh, anything that I have to share or say. And I think at the start, I, I just thought, why wouldn't someone want to listen to this? Yeah. Would I be able to fire a question your way? Come on, mate, hit me. Because one of the things that, what the, the thing that first absolutely attracted me to, to yourself and like was, was the Super Self Summit. Yeah. Um, and the idea that, you know, we're in England and England's not great for its big events. And yet here you are kind of boldly going for something with the scope of that event when other people that are maybe like further along in the industry can't fill a room for three hours what was it that drove you to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a great question mate i think the original catalyst for that was the belief that i could do it okay. <laughs> um i've been in two or three pivotal phases in my life where i've done something that people on the outside might consider against the trend or ballsy or however you might define it different even um and in all of those instances the one thing that i can pin because there are lots of micro things but the one thing i can really pin as advice is if you believe it don't overthink it mm. just go so what was the process there like to take it from an idea to the first event so <laughs> if we're going to go down if we're going to go down this road i can give you a nice three-part thing because i've done three super self summits now this year on the debut year um in fact round about this time last year it became an idea for me so i didn't it's been a very short like execution um first one first first super self summit was about believing i could do it and proving i could do it 
Mm-hmm. Second Super Self Summit was about trying to prove to the industry, and that's where I fucked up. <laughs> Third Super Self Summit was doing it my way. Yeah. And it was the best one. And it was a massive relief for me on so many levels. I lost myself in July, August this year. Um, and it was the most fucked up I've, I've felt since I had major drama. So, like, nothing had happened. No one died. No one, um, like, I was in, I was, everything else seemed to be in a pretty good position. But I, I lost my identity. Mm. And that hurt me because I didn't see it coming. It wasn't part of the script. Well, it never is. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I guess. No one writes in, I, in June 2018, I shall lose my identity. <laughs> no, I, I guess so. But what I mean by that is that um, there was no reason on paper for me to, like, nothing. I, I guess what it is, Dave, is every, every time I've struggled in my life before, it's been as an effect of something happening um, that, that, by definition, is a shit thing. Um, yeah. this was a good thing I'd put on my second event I'd had the biggest attendance I'd had some like great um, speakers some amazing feedback yeah I felt like absolute shit and that was what I meant by you know it wasn't in the script it wasn't supposed to happen like that it was supposed yeah. to go from glory to glory um, and it was the best thing that could have happened to me and the best thing that could have happened to that to that brand is that I went through that I almost didn't do the third one because it hurt me that much but I did it and because I did it I now understand it so much that I know that I'm going to be able to do even more good for people who turn up at next year's event um, yeah. because I've understood what it means to me what it means to the market and what it means to the attendees so yeah like I'm going to go into a lot more detail uh, around the personal shifts that I felt um, at the next event which will be in June in 2019 because um, I'm kind of thinking that that's the best platform for me to really go there on um, with but for today I guess for the for the podcast listener on my side you know I've been alluding to this guys I've been alluding, I've been alluding to this for a couple of uh, weeks now but for, for you guys uh, that haven't met me before that haven't heard um, anything and you know your audience Dave I guess the, the useful thing I could say is even when things are successful by definition still got to be ready to dig deep and look inside yourself yeah definitely do you know what date in june yet uh 22nd 23rd of june 2019 Uh thank you thank you for asking allowing me to go there well the reason being is the last two times you've last two times you've had one on i've already either had speaking arrangements or i think a tough mudder or something those weekends and i'm like i'll just i watch it on the on the instagram story and i'm like i want to be there <laughs> it'd be great to this time around i had like a, a really cool speaking arrangement myself the same day and i was kind of watching mine and watching yours at the same time well not watching my personal one about that'd be weird um i'm not that egotistical yet um but, but yeah it's like and as soon as that day got released it's like i'm like Arr! so what i'm gonna do is i'm i'm putting that in my diary as soon as we finish because I'm, I'm gonna be at that like because I've just wanted to just, I mean, I know my reasons for wanting to be at like a a bigger event like that, but maybe you could just go briefly into the why you wanted to do something, not just to prove it, but for what, what is the, what is it that it gives to the person that comes through that door? Yeah. Now the, the thing that it gives the person that comes through that door is it gives them a combination of inspiration and education around the topics of health and happiness. And 
like the main driving force for me now is that I know that every person, every human being that comes to the Super Self Summit is going to be closer to being what I call the super self, but you can call it whatever you want. That's just a combination of letters. Essentially, it's turning up as someone who is a happier and healthier individual and therefore a happier and healthier wife, husband, colleague, boss, friend, cousin, sister, brother, uncle, auntie, member of the community. Like For me, that's why. Um, I know that there are so, there, there is so much... Uh, information out there that's misleading that's confusing that's frustrating people and so therefore the time the money the energy invested in coming to the super self summit will give you absolute clarity proven strategies genuine people philosophies that have have proven themselves to work from an integral and honest perspective Nice. Does that answer your your question? That that feels like you've got that written on the palm of your hand. That was slick. Well, (laughs) mate, I I wish I did, but uh, I guess it's the same with anything. When you know it, you just know it. Yeah. And and the reason reason I do know it, Dave, is because I had that weird bit. I had that blip, you know, and I guess it's similar to with the depth that you have on your topic and who you are and what you know and what you can help people with and the the, the, the empathy that you can portray. You know, it's this, you only get that when you go to the depth and realize it and see it and feel it and taste it yourself. So yeah. it gives you that. It's so weird. It's like I so badly, desperately in what I do, both in my work and as a parent, I want to save people from adversity. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of want you to go through some so that you can learn some of this stuff. It's like, how do we get a controlled level of adversity? You know, really, I want to send my kids out into the woods and let them fend for themselves for three days without getting, you know, either arrested or not only one of them coming back. (laughs) But I want them, I don't want them to go through all the bullying that I went through at high school or anything like that. But I want them to be tested by something a little bit more extreme than what they are now. And the same with my clients is I spent the first year, maybe even two years of being a coach putting everyone in a helicopter not literally i'm not that flashy but putting everyone in a helicopter and dropping them off at the top of the mountain and going nice for you isn't it instead of walking up the mountainside with them letting them take the process and then letting them appreciate that view when they got there such a strange concept with adversity it's like we you know it's like stress i guess we too little of it and we don't grow too much of it and we snap yeah yeah i like that and i think um it's one of the reasons why uh, I was pulled to um, you uh, to talk to you to you know um, jam with you a little bit because I can tell that there's that uh, there's a deep ethic um, and philosophy behind your approach to your coaching um, and I also I really am intrigued by the moves that you're making with the coaching for I think it was was it coaching for PTs uh, minds oh, yeah. PTs because like. <laughs> It started an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, mate. Because like that is well done, by the way, because not only is it absolutely needed um, because personal trainers have such a, an invisible responsibility that no one tells them about. And even if they do tell them, <laughs> they don't really know until they get there in terms of what they have to deal with, what they have to help with, what they have to listen to. So 
arming personal trainers with the tools that can help um, with that is an exceptional move. I really think that's going to make a massive difference to people, um, not just the PTs, but also the, the people that they're helping. But I also think that, so, if, look, Dave, someone's going to do it, mate. Someone is going to do it because the industry is moving. The coaching industry is growing. Personal trainers are starting to advertise that they do mindset coaching, even when they don't uh, know yeah. anything about it. <laughs> and so coming in and I, it absolutely, like usually, mate, I, I'm not going to lie, when I see someone doing some doing something like this that I think, ah, oh, that could either be brilliant or shit for like the industry, um, when I see it and I, I usually go oh no 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 but but seeing you do it I was like yes I was like go <laughs> go 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 I think it's a great move yeah thanks well, I mean I really appreciate that it actually it's it's opening night tonight it's the first time I've done uh, it's 12 weeks and online but I've actually um I'm hoping to partner with Ben, with ben Coomber's BTN with it in the future. Yeah, good. Um, a lot of my students have come via them, and um, both Ben and Tom are actually in the group, and they're going to be um, they're they're going to be keeping an eye on on the content and showing me because they've they've delivered courses before. This is my first one, so they're going to be kind of giving me some great pointers on how to tighten it all up and everything. And it's just I'm really excited about it. There's some phenomenal content in there. Um, and the idea is I'm very much a kind of, you know, put some good karma out into the world, kind of do something nice for somebody, enable somebody else to do something nice for someone else. Same as what you said about the super self summit, really in that, you know, you said you are making them a better, happier person for everyone else around them. When that happens, they then pass on that better, happier person to the next person and the next person. I feel that, yeah, it, rather than coaches, I, when I laughed when you said about coaches saying that they do mindset when they don't. Um, I was a little bit, I, I had the full on imposter syndrome when I first started saying it, to be perfectly honest. And I'm like, oh, what if I've got, what if I'm another one of these coaches just out there saying mindset is everything. And then a client goes, oh, cool. You know about mindset. What do you know? And I go, uh, that it's everything. And, um, that's so much of what's out there because people don't have that. I call it the spider's web. I guess I guess it's that breadth and depth that you're talking about. Is I call it the spider's web. Mindset is about a seventy million different satellite topics that are all connected somewhere or another, and um, it takes a long time to start to piece them together. And different people piece them together in different ways. Um, but I'm hoping to help a few people add all those elements in. So when they say mindset is key, they're like, "Well, what can you tell me about mindset?" And we'll okay, well, like, here's the stress and recovery model or here's like i mean my own personal favorite especially is my slingshots and boomerangs model but that's only because it's actually the only thing in the course that's 100 percent mine um so uh, everything else mindset is this it's this bloody jambalaya it's loads of stuff thrown in one pot and uh it's delicious <laughs> that was that went in a weird way that i wasn't expecting mate uh, again just to emphasize i think I'm behind you on this. I mean, anything that I can do to help. I mean, we can have a conversation about this uh, privately another time, but I think um, someone's got to do it. And um, I think personally, just just on a selfish level here, it's, it isn't, I, I wouldn't do it as in fully do it because I wouldn't do as good a job as someone like you because I'd get like, it would be something that I feel like needs to be done and it wouldn't be the re- that's not the best reason to do it the best reason to do it is because you're 100% passionate about doing it and it's not going to break like that's just it it's bulletproof um, for me it would be something that I, that I think should be done so therefore yeah. someone who's going to give it that, that bulletproof effect uh, needs to, to do it and if there's any way I can help at all then I'd love to be able to uh, you know even if it's just helping you spread the message so um, hopefully that already has happened by doing this um, 
but uh, we can have a chat about that I think it's uh, the industry needs it people need it and there's no one you know better that I know that would uh, be able to deliver especially with the help with the guys that you've mentioned too so yeah great very exciting very exciting so um, Dave like I guess let's ask each other one quick fire question before we conclude Okay. Well, you got one in mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. I've just dropped that on you, so I'll go first. And you can have a little I've thing. Got, I've, I've, well, I've got a two-parter that I always ask my podcast guests, and I'd love okay. to get your spin on. All right. Um, and that is, what is the worst piece of advice you're sick of seeing people give? Wow. And what's the best piece of advice you wish people would give more? Oh, that's a corker, isn't it? Okay, the worst. Uh, that's why I always ask it. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So I'm going to take this into an area of uh, some, something that might help with some peripheral stuff for your listeners and mine. Um, and I'm going to go down the road of meditation. Um, and the worst advice that, um, that I see uh, given is that people should do it. Mm. Um, forcing people to meditate is such an oxymoron um, that you know it doesn't make any sense. And I think the misconception with meditation is that it's a, a it's a system that needs to be followed word for word, breath for breath. But it isn't. It's about yeah. sitting quietly or lying down or even doing something. It's whatever you whatever takes your brain into a state of flow. And it's not about clearing your mind, in my opinion. It's about paying attention to what it's telling you. Um, yes. And I think so many people fight it. They're like, oh, I've got to clear my fucking mind. <laughs> but it's impossible when you do that. You have to go with the flow, and that flow is whatever feels right. So yeah, I guess that's something extra that many people wouldn't expect. Um, and what was the other question? What, so that's the worst piece of advice that you're sick of people giving. What's the best piece of advice you think people aren't giving enough? Okay, so we briefly talked about a life a day and what happened with it this year. Um, it's happening again next year, January the first. It starts all over again. Literally, I have someone booked in on January the first for a free mindset call. Awesome. So I'll be doing three hundred and sixty-five free one-to-ones over the course of next year. But it's getting there's going to be two upgrades. One upgrade is that it's going to be called a life a day pay it forward so the idea is that there's three promises on the life a day as it exists one is that it's no charge no sales funnel no email address nothing the second one is it's completely confidential and the third one is no holding back from my end and um, i don't i don't basically do anything that will make you absolutely categorically need to break rule number one and come back and see me again i will give you the best possible hour of my time i can give you um rule number four and it's sort of a guideline because it's not a rule but i suggest that the person i speak to goes on and does something nice for somebody else and ideally tells me what it was and how it made them feel because ultimately paying it forward doing something nice for free for somebody else that's been the the greatest thing part of a life a day for me is that well changing other people and helping them change has been brilliant but the, the fact of how it's felt for me in in almost the you know, whole selfishness sorry selflessness became selfish in a weird way and um, the second part about it is i'm doing a life a day on tour 
Cool. So I'm going to at least 10 different gyms, um, CrossFit boxes and that type of thing around the country. Oh, wow. Uh, I've got three in one weekend, possibly in, um, in Scotland. So one in Aberdeen, one in Edinburgh, one in Glasgow. I'm still waiting to try and find a few more of those. So the idea is if you want, if someone wants me to come and present to their clients, their family, their friends, I will do a sort of two to three hour seminar. I might even do some, a life a day one-to-ones while I'm there if you want. Yeah. Um, and basically just get in touch with me and we can sort it out i'll pay all my own travel costs all my own accommodation i'm not asking for a penny i'm not asking for anything i just want to get out there and i'm only going to count each one of them as one a life a day so i'm not going to go and do deliver to 50 people and go there's 50 done um i'm going to count i'm going to count it as a life a day for the organizer and just one so i'm going to i basically want to make things bigger i'm using my media budget i hope my videographer's not listening i'm using my media budget next year to pay for my own travel and stuff on that because i figured rather than getting some i'm about to get a big block of videos made with him um but i figure next year instead of my media budget for that i'm going to spend my media budget on petrol and hotels and food so um that's what's next okay well hey i'm i'm sure that there's ways that i'll be able to help you with that especially around june time um yeah yeah <laughs> let's uh, yeah yeah let's um let's you know it's been awesome chatting to you um i've really enjoyed it and it's been everything i thought it would be and more um just to you know go over the uh this point that we haven't spoken to each other really at all until now we've kind of gone into this blind um we've gone with the flow we had a loose plan but we've kind of gone to places we didn't know we we're going to go to i think it's been yeah. great i'd love to do it again um sometime let's do this again sometime um yeah <laughs> and uh, i'm sure that there's a, a couple of little chats we can have um offline that would um help us collaborate in some way in uh, 2019 so um from my side thanks for listening um dave massive thank you for agreeing to do this and it's been a pleasure uh, trading and, and jamming with you today excellent do you want to do our social media links now or do you want me to put yours in my intro when i put it on my podcast because i would love for you i would love for my listeners to come and find you as well well okay yeah let's uh, let's do it um, so anyone that wants to say hi at tommy gentleman on any social media um, literally Tommy Gentleman that is actually my name by the way um, <laughs> people always say I was going to yeah, ask but, I, yeah. ask, but I figured it might be rude <laughs> no no honestly I get it all the time uh, I, I absolutely love it now I hated it at school I got like looked at and picked on having a weird name but but now it's all good um, so at Tommy Gentleman uh, is where to get me basically and like if you want to reach out I'm always and all eyes so go for it how about you for my guys uh, yeah mine's nice and easy now I got rid of my surname because that wasn't easy to spell um, mine is at mindset by dave everywhere quality love it mate well thank you again it's been an absolute pleasure and we'll uh, we'll talk soon yeah catch you soon buddy